Hello, my name is Doug Rice. I'm a comic book artist who worked on uh, books like uh, Dynamo Joe and Adam Cook to DC. I'm also an animator who worked on Thinking the Brain and for Animaniac 10 years ago, which I got received an Emmy. But now, I'm being interviewed on a podcast. You're listening to Still Talking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. But thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. You have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. 
from horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name's Leo. I'm in the monkey behind the keyboard, and we have a very fun show for you today. But as always, Benjamin, how's it going? What's happening? Other than trying to drive me crazy. <laughs> what? Not trying. Am oh, I succeeding? Okay, just just behind the scenes info here. You know, I'm doing everything to get us ready to push us live, <laughs> and I see a message pop up from Ben. Don't forget to do this, and it's something that should have been done like half an hour ago. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I thought ahead and did it anyway, but it, it's is yeah. Well, the only reason I even mentioned it is because I went back uh, to Monday's show. And I was putting all our shows in, into the folders like I do for all the networks. And it wasn't on that platform. And I went, hmm. Oops, it, I guess it we missed it. Should have been on one of them and not the other. Right, right. It's on the entertainment one, not on the TV one. Yeah, the, the TV one I uh, bailed on because uh, I was limited to how many I could share to. So, I, I'm sorry. I thought, you, I thought you were good. I thought you were good. Oh, I'm the best, baby. <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay, yes, so, yes, so we we have uh, uh, what did you do to Jeff? He's he's not here. Did, I didn't do anything to Jeff. Jeff did it to himself. Um, Jeff sustained an injury. Uh, he's not feeling well right now. Um, so uh, we have two amazing gentlemen that stepped up to uh, help us co-host an amazing show. So, uh, Leo, who do we have here with us helping tonight? Uh, well, first I want to say, you know, with Jeff, I, I'm going to bear witness. A couple of weeks ago, you were threatening to hurt him on set. So it's we do have that recorded. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Jeff, if you're watching and if you need the evidence, just just let me know. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so much for your promotion. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, do you want to introduce the people? How about we let them yep. introduce themselves? Uh, Rico. Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like chewing on bacon. Like, I'm sorry, I apologize. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. And want to introduce yourself? Let everybody know where you're from. Yeah, uh, my name is Ricardo Abel Avilas Avilas. I go by Richard Rico Avilas. Uh, I'm a dad, a husband, an interpreter, a comedian, a purple bell in jiu-jitsu, and I'm also the host of a show called The Rico Podcast on iHeartRadio. Awesome. And R.W., introduce yourself, sir. Just kidding. Yeah. I'm R.W. Martin, 
and I'm a comedian and a writer and an actor, and uh, I guest host on the Dorkening Podcast from time to time. Yeah. And uh, so, Ben, who'd you bring with you? This guy. And this guy. And the guy that did these things. No, actually, we have, an, we have an, a, a true legend um, in comic book and animation industry with us tonight, Mr. Doug Rice. Hello. Hey, Welcome, Doug. Doug. Happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, we're happy to have you. Happy to have you. Uh, you know, uh, Ben was a little light on that, so you, you've done quite a bit. Uh, you're, you're currently a, a teacher at uh, Columbia uh, College of the Arts, but... You're known for working on Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I even saw a Batman reference in there as well. You've you've done a hell of a lot. Uh, I try to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will say he's the best looking out of all of us up here. Oh, God. Just saying. <laughs> I age well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> like a fine wine. Or old cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I did mention, uh, you know, also very important, you are a uh, veteran of the uh, U.S. Air Force as well. Yes, I am. I was working in an office. I had all the good stuff, but still, I was there. <laughs> in Vietnam, right. And that was a very interesting time. I could imagine. Why so is everybody that, so quiet? I don't know. Yeah, like, really. <laughs> I, I was told I, I'm here for the gangbang, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I was starting this, so... <laughs> I, I'm just trying to figure it out. Mr. Doug, how did you get started with, with animation? Uh, animation was uh, a phone call. Uh, prior to that a time in the 1990, early 1990s, I had been doing comic book work for various companies, everything from first comics doing Dynamo Joe to uh, DC. I worked on Manhunter and Plastic Man. I did books for Marvel and the humor area. And I'd even done a year's worth of uh, Roger Rabbit comic books for Disney. And my, I, my, my strength was that I could jump styles. I wasn't, I wasn't limited to superheroes. I was limited to squash and stretch. I wasn't even limited to the manga style. I did a year's worth of uh, Star Blazers, Kamiko. Yes! And uh, I got a call from a uh, company that was a small animation studio in the south suburbs of Chicago. And they wanted me to do some concept artwork because they heard that I did science fiction stuff. I said, sure. And I uh, met with them and showed my portfolio of work I had done. And they, they agreed to give me a two-week uh, stint doing concept artwork for a science fiction project they have involving a race of insects under the earth. And what I did, is, I, I, for the first two weeks, I took a very, very long train ride down to the place in the south suburbs uh, every day and uh, crank out a lot of artwork based on their request for redesigning the characters that they had. And I think they were surprised because the, uh, not by so much designs, but how many designs I did. And that was the uh, discipline for comic books coming into play. Because if you don't draw fast in comic books, you don't pay the rent, you don't eat. Uh, it's a matter of getting at least two pages done a day. Wow. To get, to get the work out there and to be able to, you know, uh, look your landlord in the face at the end of the month. So I was able to do that. And all the tricks and tr uh, all the shortcuts I learned along the way, I was able to apply to the concept work I was doing for that science fiction project. And so any artist they have, they could do one or two drawings a day. I was doing five or six. Wow. 
I really like that. And uh, the fact that they, they kept throwing me different curves about what kind of things to draw, and I would keep coming up with ideas um, that uh, they seemed to they find it interesting. And after two weeks, they offered me a job full time. I, I pointed out uh, that I've never been trained in animation at all. I love animation, and I've watched it all my life. And I, I, it's like a, a sponge, I've absorbed this stuff into my the core of my being, which is why I could draw in, in those in that funny style. And apparently that was enough. They said, if you have that kind of aptitude, we can train you on the details. So we want, first we want you to do storyboards, which are kind of like comic books. Right. And we, they want you to do concept artwork, which you've been doing already, so you can do that. And uh, when it comes, comes time to do animation, we'll give you work that you can do uh, roughly like cleanups and uh, in between, and then we'll get, get you started on doing some key animation. And they did that. They, they were actually able to take somebody off the street um, and put me to work right away. Wow. That's crazy. That's how I got into the animation. Right. And after a little over two years of working, we were working on a show called uh, Animaniacs. <clears throat> and uh, based on the work I did for the show and the backgrounds and the storyboards and animation, uh, my boss comes in Wednesday and hands me two pieces of paper. One is a certificate from the uh, Television Arts and Academy of uh, Arts and Scientists for a daytime Emmy certificate with my name on it. And the second letter, the second piece of paper was a letter from Tom Ruger at Warner Brothers, the producer and head of Kids WB, congratulating me on my, my win because apparently the work I was doing for that particular year was good enough that my name was added to the list of the recipients. Uh, of the award for best animation animated feature of that year. Wow, wow. that's not kidding. Wow, right? I, I mean, I'm still stuck. Sorry, I, my brain got stuck when you said Star Blazers. I, I, I dorked out. <laughs> I really did. I mean, that was that was my. I would literally stay home from school and miss like first two periods just to watch Star Blazers. That's I used to watch Animaniacs in Spanish in Telemundo. <laughs> no, for real. I used to watch it in Spanish. I never had it in English. We didn't have cable. So oh, I grew yeah. up watching it. Yeah, I recently watched it in English again with my kid. That's cool. Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's funny. Now, when they when they do the animation for, let's say, Animaniacs, do you animate first and then they voice over, or are you animating the voiceover? The, the deal we had with Warner Bros., we were a pick, what was called a pickup studio based in Chicago, South Chicago. And uh, the idea was they have a season of 26 episodes and they would give us six of them to work on while well, they finished off the 20 and, and had done no problem our six episodes we could fuss with and play with and, and polish and we were able to but they gave us a script and a mag track of the audio and from that from those two things we put everybody to work and by the right after six weeks we have a finished film ready to deliver ready for airing nice wow it's the digital process in the early days. You could draw pencil, uh, pencil and paper cells, but they're all scanned into the uh, Adobe Photoshop system, or Adobe Illustrator, painted and prepared for the animation. Uh, it's a streamlined process, and it, and it only required about 20 people to work on it. Wow. So when you uh, received the, uh, the transcripts and the, well, uh, the script and the voice, uh, how much did it differ? Because uh, I've seen the, the voice actors on stage, and it seemed like they, they could ad-lib a lot. Were they changing things up as they went, or 
No, we we got we got. A, if I assume that the script we got were adjusted to fit the mag track. Okay. Because they had they really had to match. As the work we were doing required that kind of precision. Uh, maybe they set, only did six times to make sure that the, they were the ones that were going to our studio and ignored the rest of it. <laughs> but uh, we really really need that precision on, in terms of accuracy from script to mag track to make sure that what we we're doing um, fit together. Because the visuals of the animation have to fit with the sound. And the compositing was like the last step of the process. And it always worked. That's awesome. Nice. It always uh, worked. Joanna's in the yeah, chat room. Is that... Uh, she's asking, uh, Doug, uh, what's your favorite uh, character to draw? Uh, talking about uh, comics or animation? Uh, she says animated, but I'm going to change it up. Either one. <laughs> um, there are too many characters I like to draw in, in comics. Uh, I think Dynamo Joe is probably my favorite uh, job. It was my first job in, in comics. And creating that series, uh, writing it and uh, as a creator and in terms of a Bible, and then having working with guys like John Ostrander and Phil Folio as my scripters, and uh, ink great inkers like Brian Thomas, great colorist like Rick, Rick, uh, Rick Taylor, uh, he adapted his style to fit the anime ca cartoons I fed him in VHS tapes. So, because I wanted that brightness in, in the series, and he, he nailed it so well. And compared to a lot of books that were done during that period of time, you look at Dynamo Joe Interiors and any other book. The Dynamo Joe stuff just pops out of the page. I just love that. <laughs> I work with some good people. But uh, as, as act, great characters uh, in animation, I think the uh, Peaky and the Brain. Uh, I love doing those guys. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I love Pinky and the Brain. I'm totally dorking out right now. I'm sorry. I got a question. As, as an animator, how much knowledge do you have of the creative process of like writing jokes and like what the writers do like are you guys on par with that with like hey this show's gonna be we're gonna make fun of this kind of like the episode where they they talk about all the countries and stuff like that like as an animator like do you have an insight into that so that helps you like write things out or well, is that a separate terms, process in terms of writing uh, i did a lot of writing in comic books for the roger rabbits now these were eight page stories but they were all uh, very much in the vein of the of the character. In fact, I was I met the, uh, the writer of the original novel, a guy Wolf, at a convention. He said of all the Disney comic book adaptations of his character, he liked my stuff the best because it was the funniest. Nice. <laughs> now, uh, does the name Scott Eaton ring a bell at all to you? Scotty? Not necessarily. No. Okay, so him and I grew up, uh, went to the same school back in grade school, right through high school. So he's around my age, so he'd be 55, 56 years old. But I just remember him drawing, like, full whales in kindergarten, like these big posters, and he stuck with it. So he's he's a – I guess you would call him – is he the inker? Yeah, because he's – you're the artist is the inker, and then someone else colors it in. Is that correct? Well, he's a penciler and then an inker. Okay, so the, he's the penciler. Sorry. So he's a penciler, and he's worked on so many things. I just didn't know if the name rang a bell at all. Yeah. Sorry. No. 
RW, so, you think all artists know know each other? Uh, you know, I didn't know that they did or not. You told me to have good questions. That's, that's Puerto Rican people. All Puerto Rican right. people know each other. Yeah, that's right. right. Just like all veterans know each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I had to bust on you, my friend. <laughs> so, 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 Doug, I read something very interesting uh, about you. Uh, something that you've said. Um, and it kind of hit home to me because uh, you, you don't recommend anybody to be self-taught. I, based on my experiences, I have to confess I was lucky. I, and I really have to say that the very fact that I was at home when that phone call came in from StarTunes was pure luck. I, I would have been anywhere else and uh, missed it entirely. Um, if it, in comics, if I had not known somebody who introduced me to the staff at First Comics, and got me a job on staff there, nothing would have happened because I would never have wandered in on, on my own. I wouldn't know, wouldn't have known where to look. So it's yeah, I, it's luck. It's sometimes yeah. it's who you know. Uh, people recommended me for the job at Star Tunes, who you know, and you can't put that into a a, a, a real recommendation. Uh, art schools circumvent a lot of that, and uh, for instance, the school I teach. <laughs> Uh, they, they pride themselves in getting their students ready for the real world and then go that step further by bring, bringing representatives of the real world into the studio, into the uh, campus, rather, for interviews. And they, they help prepare the students, prepare their own portfolios or story reels, as the case may be. And these students get real jobs at Pixar, at Disney, at DreamWorks. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm amazed that some of my students have gone on become as, as good and powerful as they are in the industry like you know my classes didn't hurt them at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think there's a you know a self-taught you know learn how to do it thing uh, with everything like i taught myself to play drums i'm not that great but i taught myself to do it and my friend scott just was good at drawing ever since he was in kindergarten. Now, I don't know if he ended up going to like a college after high school and, you know, doing the whole college thing or whatever. But I just know, you know, all through grade school, he's drawing Spider-Man and Superman just as good as, you know, the people who were drawing Spider-Man and Superman at the time, which would be the 70s or whatever. So I don't know. I think there's, in my opinion, as an actor, I'm a self-taught actor. And some directors like working with me because I'm self-taught, because when you go to a school for acting, they say, this is how you do this. And when you're taught that way, you and a director wants you to do something else, you go, no, that's I was taught to do this. And this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and when you're not taught, they go, just do what I say. And you go, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, so I think sometimes it I don't know. I mean, it depends, I would say, on one of the things I, I get across with the students is I, I, I give as much of the studio experience as I can. So they are, are really aware of what the personalities are like that you will be working with, because it really is about a person, artistic personality. And whenever you're given a job and you're you're not sure about what's going on, always ask questions, get all the information you need to do the job, but make sure you do it the way they want to. If you have a better idea, that's wonderful. Hold on to it, but do their version first. And then, if you have time, give them your version. And uh, that works out well. If you don't give them what they want, and you just hand in your version, 
you will get holy hell for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, no. It's not just the fact that they're, they're expecting one thing, they're paying for one thing, and they're not getting it, but it's wasting time and, and money. Right. And they really explore it. Too. So uh, you might not get another chance to help them. These are like little tests they give people. Well said. Yeah. So, so you so do what you're told is the bottom line. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm Give your ideas, but you just make sure they get the uh, their stuff first. Right. What were you gonna say, Leo? Oh, I said I'm fucked then, because uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's the, like I I just I, I just took on a new job and I, I know I blab about it, but uh, you know the person that was leaving showed me you know how to do the job, and uh, you know as soon as I get into it, I'm like, there has to be a better way to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it differently. There we go. <laughs> I do the, I do the same thing. Uh, I I mean I worked at Lowe's. And I worked as a PSA, and on the you, the PSAs are the one that changed out the end caps and put up displays and all that stuff. And a diagram comes with it that says, first thing, do this, second thing, do that, third thing, do this, then this, this. And I'd look at it and go, well, that's stupid. It's so much easier if I do it this way. It'll cut the time in half. And I always did it my way. And one day the boss saw me doing it a different way and went, that's not the way it says to do it. And I go, yeah, I don't listen to this thing. I just do it my way. And they're like, no, no, no. You had to do it this way. And I go, I've been doing it this way for like six months. And they're like, oh, well then, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, if there's an easier way, do it an easier way. Yeah. You know? It, it, it may be uh, flexible in a small business. Right, right. I'm talking about a, a product production that has every hour of work uh, budgeted. Yeah. And uh, that's not going to fly. No, and, I, and what you said before about an artist needs to get the two pages done a day or not pay the rent or whatever, mm -hmm. I would just drop by unannounced to my friend Scott sometimes, knock on his door, and his wife would be, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just going to say hi to Scott. Well, he's drawing. And I'm like, okay. I just, and they're like, you need to leave. And I'm like, wow, you guys are rude. But I, I understand <laughs> now that, like, he had to get these two pages done or whatever. So yeah, to give you some idea how how, how that plays out in real life on, on the big, bigger scale, uh, the, the studio I worked at in, in, in Homewood was called StarTunes. It was uh, in in a building with no windows. It used to be a, a depot for uh, postal service trucks, and uh, there was no sign on the door. There's a little business card taped to the window by the door for the postman, but nobody in town knew there was a cartoon studio there. As we knew if they did know this cartoon studio there, we would get pestered constantly. Right. And uh, so we, we had a couple of tours. They were from uh, inner, inner city school kids uh, coming down to, to see something like that. And they, they were thrilled to be a part of it. But uh, not the local stuff, no. <laughs> had to blindfold all the kids, take the blindfolds once you get in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime uh, we're working at the studio, if you walk in the door and you, you just you was, you'd be stunned by the silence of the place. There were no music. There's no music playing. Yeah. Everybody's on the board scratching their pencils on paper, and that's all the sound you see. Wow. <laughs> Maybe wow. the occasional pencil sharpener. That's it. Yeah, that's crazy. Because as a comic, like I like to have like a little flow of things. Like I write, I write daily, because mm -hmm. I just feel like if I write daily, it's better, even when I don't want to. And like I feel like sometimes like 
when I'm writing, I put a little bit of music. So I mean, animation, I guess it's different, but it's it's interesting to hear that how there's like similarities. You want to work as much as you yeah. can. Doing animation was a experience I never imagined possible in, in the work environment. Uh, basically, the job was better than sex. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good to come in every day. Well, it, it, it goes up beyond that because it's not just uh, doing something you like and, yeah. and getting a paycheck for it. There was also the budget situation. Now, I, as I said, I worked before, I worked fast, and I would do a lot of layouts and, and storyboards that were quicker than anybody else. Everybody else had their talent to do it, but not the speed that I had. So I got all that work. And as a consequence, the budget I had, any money that you uh, make uh, once the project is done and ahead of schedule, and whatever's left over in the budget, you get to keep. Wow. That's the bonus system in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Nothing better than Hollywood money. My my father, God rest his soul, always said, "Do something you love to do, because then you won't mind going to work." Yeah. That's right, true. Yeah, I like I like the whole fact that you should keep, you get to keep the budget. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> that's, that's smart. That's why I like the cartoon unions. I don't know if you got any of you guys remember. I mean, again, I grew up in the seventies and eighties or whatever, but they used to have the. Uh, the record comic books are like Captain America and Falcon. There'd be a 45 in there. Yeah. Put the 45 on your record player and it'd be like, and Captain America and the Falcon, blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like reading along and stuff. I used to love that, you know, uh, the little record uh, comic book thing or whatever. I think it's, a good, it's actually a good language tool. Yeah. Agreed. And, yeah. and if you were bad at reading... Not that I was or admitting to that at all, but <laughs> as you re- as you're listening along, you're like da-da, and you kind of you get more of a grasp. Of, you know, if you had trouble reading, you could read along, and then you're like, "Oh, this word is the," which was always the hardest word for me for some reason. I don't know. I'm just I, could have, I could have used one of those record books myself uh, as a kid because my brother, my older brother, keep. Explain what the what the big words were meant, and uh, for the longest time, I kept saying "invulnerable." Look <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard. He goes, "Huh?" <laughs> well, the people. Are, well, because as as an interpreter, I know what that word means, and I'm like, I don't think he's using. Like, immediately, I'm like, I don't. I, I gotta. I gotta hear this. When goes. you're actually working in an office doing comic books, and you say the word "invulnerable." <laughs> <laughs> that goes across the the hallway. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, I know it is that time, so I'm gonna stop here for a quick second. We still got plenty of show coming at you, but uh, you know we have uh, have to pay the bills, so uh, we have a couple ads for you. And uh, first one, you know, it, it's movie time. Eternals is out right now. Don't listen to the reviews because I hear it's actually really good. Uh, but you know what, Prospect Theater here in Connecticut, check it out. Did you know around 83% of Americans with disabilities are unemployed? We are changing that. The Prospector Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to providing competitive and integrated employment for adults with disabilities through the operation of a first-run movie theater in Richfield, Connecticut. We greet, seat, and treat our audiences to the best, most accessible movie-going experience in the world. Hollywood blockbusters, delicious gourmet popcorn, and one-of-a-kind pink glove service. Join us for a movie and see our sparkle in action. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit www.prospectortheater.org.
And if you love supporting Ben and Jeff, and who doesn't? They have hot sauce now. So uh, here, uh, where's the button? Is okay. Here it is. You can find out about more about all of that in the show notes up above and down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us, including Doug Rice. You can find all his information there. Yeah. How'd I do, Ben? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. 34, <laughs> 34 minutes, though. 34 minutes to because talk great about the show notes. I mean, wow. I'm almost impressed. It used to be every four to five minutes you'd say, you can check the show notes. But- well, we had great conversation going on. I didn't want to interrupt it. It's no, it's okay. You did, you did fabulous as always. <laughs> I did marvelous, simply marvelous, marvelous, marvelously, <laughs> oh, simply marvelous. Uh, all our young. Can I say in Spanish? Are... Go for Please it. Please do. Fabuloso. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what projects you got coming up uh, now, Doug? What you got? Some stuff that's coming up that you're working on, or um. There's uh, Dynamo Joe is being uh, put, put forth as a reprint series digital uh, with, with, with expanded material. Uh, that's an ongoing project. We're having uh, a lot of it's, it's a lot of setbacks due to COVID. Ah. But other than that, the project is still very much alive. And uh, I'm getting nibbles from various people who want to reprint it themselves. So one way or another, it's going to get out there someplace. Uh, as to the rest of it, um, I do personal projects and occasional commissions, but uh, beyond that, I very ha- I did I did a novel a few years ago, and I was very happy with that, which I got to design the book too, so it was fun. So I, I'm, I'm dabbling in things that interest me. That's nice. I, I have a regular job, which uh, is good and to have a very person. So yeah, <laughs> okay. right, so. I don't think they can see it. No, no, put, put it uh, in front of your face. Yeah. Oh, nice. You can't see it. Oh, man. Hold on. Yes. I'll help you. <laughs> Let there be light. Right. Uh, there you yeah. go. Oh, nice. Yes. What a novel idea. That's pretty dope. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. What What is what is the novel about? It is a, an old-fashioned uh Pope-style novel from the 1930s. It's based on the uh, air adventures of the day of Bill Barnes and Dusty Ayers and G8 and those guys. Uh, it has that kind of vein to it. Uh, it's a little more sophisticated in terms of the story structure, but I kept, I kept the technology and all the references and uh, the basic uh, level of action uh, strictly to the period. I wasn't trying to make it up- updating or rethinking or anything like that. And I had a hell of a time, hell of a lot of fun doing it. This was in a period of unemployment, you understand. 
Mm-hmm. I was doing uh, comic book work was coming in uh, at a time when it was <clears throat> few and far between. And I, I had this uh, need to keep busy, which is what I did. So I came up with this novel. It's about uh, a, a, a cataclysmic event that happens uh, in 1917 during the height of World War I. Mm-hmm. And it destroys a great deal of the Eastern Hemisphere, wiping out whole cultures. Wow! And uh, the, sep- the while there was devastation in the West, through not nearly as much as there was in the East. And consequently, while the West was able to recover quickly, uh, they found that uh, the, the Europe was uh, really coming apart at the seams. The communication was bad back then. Uh, you took you had to go by ship for anything to go anywhere. You had uh, only things like telegraph cables and telephone cables to communicate there. Those were all gone. Uh, the shipping was uh, had been just devastated uh, by the cataclysm. And uh, anyway, the 20, it took 20 years of recovery in the West before they came up with a technology that could reach that far into the East and find out what the hell happened to the Western Eastern Hemisphere. Because even the radio messages weren't coming through. And uh, there was a big mystery of what happened in the, in a 20-year interim, because there's nothing. Yeah, by the first refugee ships going over, uh, nothing happened after that. There was reports of Europe sinking into the sea. It was really intense. Lots of Doug, kind of stuff. Doug, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you feel that... Uh, when you're creating sort of those kind of stories where there's like historical value and a lesson in there, do you feel that like, how do you get like the creativity to come up with a process where you go, this is the problem and this is how we're going to navigate this. Like, is the, do you get that from like reading or is it just your imagination, how you think this would play out? I gave myself uh, certain parameters to, to uh, adhere to while I was writing the process and doing the outline and developing the characters that they had to really be true to the period. Uh, any, putting things in, like any even references in, in speech uh, that would be out of place or, or excised right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a lot of research on the level of technology and aircraft and things like that. What was known and what was not known during that period. And was able to enfold that stuff into the, the story where there are some discoveries that would, would have occurred at the same time, they would be appearing in, in uh, my book as in real life. And uh, so they would be uh, re- realistic in that sense, for instance. Uh, the, uh, the jet stream was not known about before World War II, but it was discovered by a guy named Wiley Post, a flyer, mm-hmm. who, who made a, a count about it. Uh, but the thing of it is, Wiley Post was a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody liked him. And so they took his reports and said, Oh, this is fascinating. And they just tossed it away. And it wasn't until a decade later, at the height of World War II, with the bomber campaign against Germany, that they found out, hey, that guy was really telling the truth. <laughs> Where did we put that paper? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, one, it, it's like that. You're able to incorporate things into your story that would fit the timeline. Right. And you have to call it, you can't call it the just string, you have to call it something else. But it's, the format <clears throat> is still there. Right, right. Leo. Yes, sir. Do we, do, do we have any type of a link where somebody could find this book? Yes. Uh, uh, Charles, my, my friend Charles here has a gray entertainment uh, outfit. He published it for me. 
Billy, a minute ago, Billy asked if that was Charles in the background. So, yes, yes. indeed, it is, Billy. Yes, Billy, that is, that is Charles <laughs> in the back. I just didn't want to say anything because everybody was talking, but it popped up. And so, was, uh, so, hey, hey Charles, Charles, you can pop your face in for a second. Say hi to Billy. After, Billy. Hi, Billy. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> um, after, after the show, I'm going to reach out because I'm going to need an autographed copy of that. Okay. No problem. That's a bold move, Cotton. That's a bold move, Cotton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually good reading. Plus, you have a, original plates in it, too, which is quite amazing. And there's also a secret comic book project he and I are working on together. Ooh. Okay, oh, maybe wait. I'll have to reach out, too. <laughs> I like to reach out, especially the ladies. If you ever if you ever need a Spanish translator, I'll I'll gladly sign an NDA. Just gonna throw that out there. I got 18 years of experience. Just gonna throw that out there. You know how much shit I'd be talking to my friends back home if I translated something for Animaniacs? Oh my god. I would go back home and be just walk around like a hero. A lot of people don't respect translators. I know. Right. So you were uh uh Richard or Rico, sorry, um, had said, you know, how do you research your stuff? And I, I'm a screenwriter and I do the same thing. Like I come up with an idea for maybe something that takes place in the old West, but I have to find out what states had, you know, trains going through it, which states didn't, you know, who was, you know, was Billy the Kid alive in this time period or was he not? So I was, I have ADHD, so I come up with an idea, but then you got to figure out all this factual stuff. Because if you say, oh, yeah, he was just with Jesse James, and Jesse James hasn't even been born yet, then people are going to be like, Jesse James wasn't even around. And I'm the same times, way. A lot of times you watch period piece movies that, you know, Hollywood puts out like an 80s movie, and they got some song by The Cars or something that hadn't come out yet. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody really does their homework. Like I, when I write something, I want to make sure that, I'm not saying somebody was alive or somebody was dead. And it's just, it's brutal to do all this research. But if you want to do your job right, you got to, you got to like get all the facts straight before you even start writing. Yeah. As a comic, as a comic, we do, we have a similar process. Like we have like a writing group on my house. We got like a couple guys that come that I, I've toured with. And like, dude, sometimes it'll turn into like, like what was the argument the other day? Like, for, to give you an example, it was like, do you think that Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg are, are would date in like an alternate reality? And then from there, you just go down this rabbit hole for two hours, which I'm not going to go because I'd, I'd like to talk more to Mr. Doug. But Mr. Doug, do you think that? No, I'm just kidding. I think you'll find that uh, veracity these days, people think is a telling research. <laughs> So, uh, Doug, a uh, character that you worked on is uh, getting a major reboot uh, to the big screen. Uh, and uh, I'll give everybody a little hint. They just announced that it's going to star Peter Dinklage, uh, also Elijah Wood, and Kevin Bacon. Elijah Wood. Uh, yeah, I heard about this the other day. And, oh, yes. Now I know. Ah, uh, yes. Toxic Avenger. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> they're remaking Toxic Avenger. Oh yeah, it's getting a big screen reboot uh, in uh, I believe 2022. <clears throat> but yeah, stars uh, Lia Wood, uh, Kevin Bacon, uh, Peter Dinklage, Julia Davis, uh, Sarah Niles, Taylor Page, 
Um, and the funny thing is they're not listing what everybody's playing. Like we don't know who's playing Toxic Avenger yet. Uh, oh, so but, we can take bets on that. Yeah, but Doug, I saw you worked on the uh, Toxic Avenger. I did. Hillary uh, Barta and I got together to do a script on our old boss, Joe State of E-Man and Dick Tracy fame. And uh, he was doing the script pencils for Marvel on, on stories for Toxic Adventure. And we said, I did a couple of adaptations, and they're funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that. And it was great working with Joe Staten again, too. Yeah, I've met Joe a couple times. He's a really nice guy. So that was my set. It was, it was actually writing shows. I, I, I don't know if I missed the comment or if you didn't put it up, but because I, I was answering behind the scenes stuff over here too. Uh, Billy Middlestat said, we have to bring Doug to Maryland pop and Horicon. <laughs> well, I like seafood. <laughs> you know, well, I know, I know Charles nice. and Philo are coming. Mm. You know, Charles, you might have to clean off the back seat for Doug. Man, bring something to Missouri. <laughs> so he would have to be either flown or, or put on a train. I, I would go on the train. There you go, Billy. He, you would have to get him a uh, train ticket. Uh, I don't think we have trains down here. In Missouri. Oh, oh, he said round trip. Round, round trip, trip train. Round trip train ticket, Billy. I'm not so. falling for that again. <laughs> Damn. Uh, actually, since Billy's listening, I got one other name for him. Uh, we we talked to her uh, yesterday. Uh, Athena Finger uh, would be interested as well. Hmm. Uh, and if you don't know, she is the granddaughter of Bill Finger, who uh, is the co-creator of Batman. <laughs> Billy says, done. Yeah. You're in, uh-huh. Doug. You're uh-huh. in. <laughs> Billy, Billy, reach out to Charles. You got his number. Okay. Okay. August, correct? Uh, that would, yes, that is the August show. Correct. Also, it would also be predicated if a professor, um, he's, uh, since he does have a heart condition, forgive me for saying out loud, He's very cautious with the uh, mandates and uh, stuff like that. So that would okay. be a predicate. Yeah, just um, just I'll have Billy reach out to you uh, behind the scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Thunderworld. Mention that, John. Oh, the other project that uh, is occupying our time is uh, getting a project uh, that was inspired by the MCU. Uh, we felt uh, oh, to version of uh, in kaiju in, my, in giant robot form. Oh. So uh, we come up with the thing called Thunderworld, which is a series of, what, five comics now? <laughs> uh, it, it, it has, uh, for now, uh, uh, five characters, I think. Okay, I, I've done three titles, designed three titles, and uh, titles like Uncle Destructo, Agama the Great, and uh, Zyugan. Uh, so we have not only giant robots, we also have a monster uh, represented in, in the series, which is pretty interesting. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it, really it cool. yeah. And, and uh, I came up with uh, Ragnarok uh, 13. Yeah. Ragnarok 13 is, is Charles' contribution. Uh, he also has one of the principal villains in the series, uh, actually an uh, anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is very interesting. Probably, probably one of the strongest female characters I've ever come across in comics, even by today's standards. So, Doug, of of, uh, of all the people you could have worked with but never got the chance to work with, or and or the people you have got to work with, who would be, like, if you got to work the chance to work with somebody, who would that have been? And of all the people you have worked with, who was 
the person that you're lucky that you worked with? Well, being the kind of fanboy I was and still am in, in too many regards, uh, I would like to work with some of the greats. Like uh, I really would like to have worked with uh, Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko. Uh, they they were what got me into comic books in the first place because their work was so raw. It, it made it seem like it was possible for somebody like me with no training whatsoever just to just keep trying and, and get into it. Uh, one of the more refined artists in that area was uh, Jim Steranko, who I still worship. I mm -hmm. cannot believe that guy's range and his abilities. And uh, even after all this time, even his old work still has a certain power to it that uh, most comics today don't even come close to. And uh, I really, really that inspires me. Working working around really good people doing really good work uh, is great. Uh, for one reason, I like working in animation. There are a lot of unsung artists out there. You'll you'll never really see their portfolios, but they're doing some amazing stuff, and right. uh, they have amazing uh, things in their portfolios. And I love working with them. It's a great place to work. Really. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kirby, and I I feel sometimes he doesn't. He gets overshadowed, no offense, no disrespect to Stan Lee, but it seems like Stan Lee always overshadowed Jack Kirby and he didn't get live long enough to get that recognition that he so deserved. Oh, well, Stan Lee was, uh, had, the, had the advantage of living longer. Right, right. Uh, I think that if uh, there had been a uh, Jack Kirby present uh, for the screening of Captain America, the first Avenger, Jack Kirby wouldn't have been, would have been in the theater watching. Yeah. He would have gone. Yeah. Right. So uh, how long did you work on uh, Tales of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, that was a one shot. I was a guest artist. Oh, nice. Um, I, I was grateful for it, uh, the opportunity, and I had a lot of fun doing it. But they only needed somebody to film for one issue before, they went back to the, before the regular artists got back on it. So I wasn't about to steal anybody's job. <laughs> and uh, when was that? Uh, that was, gosh, in the, uh Early 1992. Okay, so it's when the original creators were still uh, together. No, no, the Eastman and Larry, uh, no, the, uh, they, yeah. were, they were long gone. Oh, okay. Oh, they were gone. Oh. Yeah, wait, wait, when was, when was that? Yeah, a long ago. But you do have some original artwork from that for sale for only $500 a page. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, wait, how much? It sold just a bit of yeah, you guys are like, yeah, I'll take mine. I know, I know much. <laughs> yeah, he said $500 a page. <laughs> well, I, I was giving, all through my career, I was virtually giving away pages, like 20 bucks a piece. Wow. And, and, and now I have left. <laughs> I'll take five. <laughs> I'll pay five. I'll Not right now, but I'll pay five. <laughs> it's the last comic book I worked on. And uh, I consequently figured, well, I'm gonna, I don't mind hanging on to these. So if I'm going to part with them, I'll put a price on it that will say, okay, it's, it's okay to part with it. Yeah. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll hit you up, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, no, I love collecting art. I love collecting art. I, I, I gave away virtually all the pages I had before because I need, frankly, need to eat between, between comic books uh, there's a lot of uh, empty, empty plates. <laughs> a lot of ramen noodles. Ramen noodles and peanut butter. Yeah. Yep. So, so ramen noodles, yeah. Uh, do you do commissions now if somebody was to reach out to you? or? Uh... I have a couple of commissions to finish, but then, yes, I'll be doing some more after that. Okay. And can, uh, so I have your Facebook information in the show notes. Is that the best way to reach out to you? or? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Cool beans. <laughs> That's up here or down below, depending on where it is. Yeah. 
Now you got RW doing it. Links are up here, down there. Thank you, RW. I'm, I'm helping Leo. You, ben, and you I know? greatly appreciate it. It's I'll greatly come back when I buy the art piece. Don't worry, I got you. There we go. <laughs> As I say, in my age, I really do like to focus on things that I want to do. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Right. Yeah, and the Thunder World sounds pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it has a uh, potential. Uh, we've got one more, is uh, one from uh, North Carolina by art artist named Cantrell Riley called uh, King Kaiser, King Panzer, sorry, King Panzer. <clears throat> They'll kill me. I have a little logo for him, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything kaiju yeah. has has a uh, a rabid fan base. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah even in, in Japanese. Japanese I'm anime. old school Japanese animation fan, so the proper term is Daikaichi. So, so how old school? Like Rurouni Kenshin, Knights of the Zodiac, Zenki, old school, or like we talking right. about like 1960s, 1950s? We're talking Ultraman. <laughs> oh my God! All right, Ultraman. wow. All right, I, lo yeah, I loved Ultraman. Always a, that's <clears throat> just means monster. Uh, it means great monster. Yeah. Godzilla is a Daikaichi. Right. And King Kong is a kaiju. Frankenstein's creature is a kaiju. Or an ivy dog. We're being schooled. Oh, <laughs> I, I feel, there will be I a feel test. So cool right now. <laughs> well, I feel so cool right now. Actually, right? Fra Frankenstein's monster could have been a, uh, what, what do you call it, guy kaiju? Guy kaiju. Yeah, because uh, one of the movies, it was supposed to be Godzilla versus Frankenstein's monster, but I guess they yeah. couldn't. They couldn't do the rights at the last, it, it, and that turned into Godzilla versus Donkey. Frankenstein conquers the world. This um, was, was a giant Frankenstein. Yeah, it, well, uh, the original Godzilla versus King Kong was actually right. supposed to be Godzilla so, versus uh, Frankenstein's monster, hmm. and uh, they changed it like last minute, and then uh, they changed it to King Kong. That's why electric, uh, like uh, lightning, brings King Kong back to life because it was written in that lightning was supposed to bring. So what um, I'm hearing is that Light Yagami from Death Note cannot kill Frankenstein then? Because lightning would just bring him back? Probably. That's shocking. I, I just want to know if the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is a guy kaiju. He <laughs> <laughs> would be guy kaiju, yes. See? See, uh, I watched Ghostbusters. Not, not anymore. Boy. The new movie, they're little <laughs> oh, itty-bitty. They're Funko oh, size. Shit. They're Funko oh, size. They're mini marshmallows. Yeah, they're mini marshmallows. <laughs> this is what I walked in. Oh my god, they look so adorable. <laughs> oh, yes, god. look at this mother. Oh, they're they're, they're <laughs> the next baby Yoda. There's like a whole series of them, and yeah. Leo, I'm never hanging out with you. You're the type of guy that looks at a dark alley, and be like, oh, "He could be darker." Like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Come on, it'll take five minutes off our work. They're yeah, harmless. exactly, because I'll be fucking dead. <laughs> What's next? Little I got Doug to laugh. I'm happy. I got Doug to laugh. I've been trying to get that all night. I was like, I texted my friends. I'm like, I'm talking to Doug Rice, and everybody's blowing up my phone. And I keep just putting my phone down. I was like, I got to make Doug Rice laugh. Now. I got to do that. I'm happy. Mission accomplished. My wife keeps like staring. I was like, is the pinky in the brain? And just like, to clear it up, whoever's watching, Rico and I are not in the same room. See, look, what's wrong way? See, look, we're oh, not. God. <laughs> Fuck, <stop>. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in the same <laughs> I missed that. What did he say? Well, every time that uh, 
bitter. Uh, I laugh at him because he can't get the food in his mouth. Mustache <laughs> 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 gets in the way. <laughs> and that is so funny to see. Oh man! Just tell him, Charles, you're saving it. Saving I, I meant it. I meant to put that one there because I'm saving it for later, yes. just in case. Oh yeah, snacks. Snacks for later. Yeah. Oh, snacks. Snacks. What is this? <laughs> oh, I apologize for that sound. Uh, no. Worries. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, you, oh, sorry, my my alarm's going off. Um, Bat, you you did some work on Batman Beyond. Wait, what? That was a very strange situation. Before the series aired, you have to know that the Batman Beyond character uh, was not a comic book. It was a, totally a TV production, made-for-TV thing. And uh, Warner Brothers was exceedingly uh, security-minded about not letting the image of the character get out. You never saw the image of the, of the character before the series aired. And uh, we were at StarTunes, and the phone, we got a phone call from uh, Hasbro. And they wanted to hire us to do the commercial for the Batman Beyond Care. And they said, oh, we got a guy who does superhero stuff. He can do it. So they gave me the job. I said, oh, boy, when do I get the material? Because I had no idea what the character looked like. And uh, so they called, we called Warner Brothers officially. And they say, huh, you know, we're not going to give you anything. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it, it is totally forbidden because uh, you, you're you, you're not you know under their our security blanket so right forget it and i said okay they went to hasbro maybe they, they had to have something for the they making a toy for the thing they got to have something uh hasbro said no we can't do that our contract forbids us to give out the material but we still expect the job to be done by next monday wow. oh geez bro that is better than that is way better than military grade technology right there. Look at that. <laughs> if that would have been the army or the air force, it would have been like, yeah, man, come here. Let me show you. Give me five bucks and six pack of beer. I still had to try one more attempt. I went to uh, one of the promotional publications, Starlog. Nice. And I said, okay, I would call them up, establish my credentials, and they would have something on, on the burn they could give me. And just one picture is all I needed in color so I could, I could do the animation and get it out. I, I had four days to work on it. <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And uh, they answered the phone, and they, we t I talked to them at length, and uh, they, they shuttled me from one office to another. And ultimately, it was like, no can do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a working relationship with Warner Brothers, and that would piss them off, and they would they would stop doing business with us. And frankly, you know, we, we can't do without them. Uh, so no, no way. Wow. But the following Monday morning, a package came in from Starlog. Apparently, somebody there uh, knew uh, that Hasbro had toys coming out, and they they knew my name, and they were able to, to figure out that I did work for Star Tunes. And I said, "Give this guy what he wants." <laughs> Desperate. <laughs> and wow. so I had the I had the uh, the image that I wanted. I went back and did my own model see for the character. And I got the thing done ahead of schedule. Wow. And he walked away with the rest of the budget. <laughs> <laughs> and this illegal stuff that Starlog's at him. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's one of those things that you just uh, plow ahead and, and keep hitting your head against the wall until somebody you know, says, come in. <laughs> right? That's awesome. I know that feeling. But, uh, that was how it worked. Uh, I, I got the Batman uh, commercial done. Uh, it was about a 
a kid running to the camera, jumping up in the air and transforming into Batman while he's in the air, landing and springing the wings, going, I am Batman. Are you looking awesome. for that online right now, Leo, so you can put that on here? No, we'll get shut down looking. if I play it. We'll get shut down it. if I play it. Yeah. Look at that The toys were ridiculous. Yeah. I'll tell you, growing up in the 70s and 80s, that, let's try that again. Growing up in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, one of my favorite things to bug my money for, uh, bug my mother money for, was Starlog Magazine. Um, oh, I've yeah. managed to, you know, acquire a run of one through 81 right now, and I'd like to get a run to 100. But um, I just absolutely love that magazine, and it's a shame that it died, and so did Fangoria. But that's back. Yeah. But I just loved Starlog. I mean, well, when you were a kid, there was no internet. You got all your information of all the movies and TV shows and stuff from Starlog magazine. Um, absolutely loved it. Had I known we were going to talk about Starlog, I would have been able to go, here's issue one. <laughs> here's issue two. Here's... <laughs> I think that's crazy. Starlog liked me and uh, saved my bacon. <laughs> yeah. I think I the com company... To... Oh, I was just going to say, I think the company that bought uh, Fangoria also bought the rights to Starlog. I could be totally yeah, I mean, wrong. they were owned by the same company back yeah. in the day. Uh, so they might... They bought you know... Starlog first and Fangoria lasted longer. Yeah. 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 Damn, I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember in Puerto Rico, the only magazine uh -oh. that was available for us, like, that we could, like, find was Nintendo Power and Game Pro. Oh, yeah. And I, I would charge my friends money to translate it in Spanish. <laughs> but yeah, I, for me, it was Starlog and Mad Magazine. Like I say, Mad, Mad, finally, Mad, yeah. Mad finally died. They like ended and then came back with a new format and then went boom, done. Yeah. But I never Starlog, knew about Mad. Oh, yeah. I used to, I read them in church while the pastor was doing his, oh my God. He would, the pastor, the pastor would be going, oh and Leviticus 7, chapter 1, verse 3 through 17. And he'd go, Jonah looked upon the water, and then you'd hear my magazine turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd go, and God said, and then you'd hear my magazine turn again. And then, and then, and then you hear, and, and then my magazine would turn again. And at the end of that service, he found me and he goes, I'd appreciate it if you didn't bring that magazine to church from now on. I'm like, oops. Be more entertaining, man. Uh, <laughs> you want to hear something that's a, a shame, uh, and I'll just do this real quick. Um, in the 90s, I worked retail uh, for a computer store, and we had all those magazines on our shelf, you know, on Nintendo Power Game Pro, uh, even like Starlog and stuff like that, because we're also part of Walden Books. And uh, uh, their contract was like, you know, when the new issue came out, uh, they got credit for the old one, but I had to tear off the cover of each one to send it ah. back. So, yeah. you know, I got all these free magazines, you know, because this we were supposed no to throw cover. them out. Yeah, I had to rip the cover off of every one. And, uh, you know, but the store got credit for them just by, right. because we sent uh, the covers back. Yeah. So you got some you got some collection of ripped off magazines. Oh, I, I got I got rid of them a long time <laughs> ago. Yeah. Hurts right See, now I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, if somebody said, here's a free Starlog with no cover, I'm like, no, I, yeah, yeah, I'll just go buy one. Cause My soul I just hurt The cover was the best, right? Part, really? Yeah. 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 Okay, back to the guest. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> as, a, as a cover artist myself, that pains me. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Leo, you have no other option. Mr. Doug admits that you have to commit seppuku. So, it's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> uh, 
This is the only way you can redeem yourself. I mean, with a rusty katana. Uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, yes. He took it to the next level. <laughs> hey, Leo, you invited me, man. Just remember that next time. Okay? Like, I just want to make that very fucking clear. You, you people invited me. Oh, totally, totally. Anytime, you know. I just showed Anytime. up. <laughs> As I hear a sniper rifle being loaded. <laughs> Well, I know Leo, you got another show tonight. I uh, do. So actually, uh, these two gentlemen are going to be on it tonight. I I will actually be going to the gym, good sir. I can't fail. I got to oh, go to the gym. Fine. Got to go to the gym. Fine, fine. Yeah, well, RW is not going to let me <laughs> down. You. You. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> but you know, we we got about another five minutes that we can occupy Mister Mister Doug Rice's time with. So, uh, yeah. do we have any questions, comments? that we missed uh so uh a bunch of people watching if you have questions just uh post them in the comments don't be shy well, uh, we're giving you five more minutes yeah so so uh to talk to a legend i will right. actually take my leave because i need dinner gentlemen oh you're gonna leave I got. I need dinner. I need dinner. You eating <laughs> dinner before we started? You got five nah, minutes. Was, so you can eat like, dinner. That was like <laughs> that sandwich is looking at me. That's because his dinner's done and it's sitting on the edge of the table. He's looking. If you leave, Rico, if you leave before the five minutes, he's gonna get the rusty katana out. I'm just Mr. <laughs> Mr. Doug, I have one question actually. <laughs> As much as you draw and and all that, how do you manage the stress that you put on your hands? Because in, in in anime, I know a couple of my friends that are they they write animes. One of the issues they have is rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and they have like nerve damage on their hands. How do you as as a as a drawer? How do you manage that? I haven't had that that particular issue yet. The only damage on my hand has been the the cows that you get from uh, drawing for a long period of time. And uh, I had a huge callus. I was working at StarTunes because I drew more there than anywhere else I've ever been at, more consistently. And I, I had a, a real hummer. <laughs> but now it's gone. It's completely gone. Yeah, it, it just, yeah. You don't get callus from teaching classes at Columbia College. You just don't. So uh, I, I, I have all my dexterity, no, no, no room to talk Um So I, I really don't expect it. Don't know how to explain it. I'm glad I don't have it. I I hate for people who do. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah, I know I know what it would mean to me, and uh, if I do get it, uh, I'm not looking forward to it. You're right. Yeah, because it's your livelihood right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know we're waiting for questions, but uh, was there actually Rico? You needed to go. No man. I no. Can't wait, okay. Bro. Okay. <laughs> I, I was Look, about to say, right you know, here, he he, he like, is feeling like right there. He's like right there, just staring at me. <laughs> you threatened him with a rusty katana. I did. I did 15 months in Iraq, bro. I can wait another. Oh, okay. I'm gonna lick the sandwich in a little bit. Don't worry. If you see like something like this happen, don't worry about it. <laughs> you, you know, he he's taking <laughs> in Charles in the background. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say he's taking in for. Say something. Oh, he's got a question. Uh, no, this is just a quick commercial. Go to kickstarter.com. Look up Dungeon Dice Pledge. That's a buddy of mine who made the dice. Another buddy of mine is manufacturing them here in America, hand-poured, not being shipped from that other land. So go to kickstarter.com and look for Dungeon Dice. Dungeon Dice. Very cool. I think I dated her once. <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Burbank. 
It's <laughs> a beautiful voice. I want that man to narrate my fucking life. <laughs> right? Rico wakes up in the morning. Little did he know that at night he would be interviewing a famous person he did not know who it was at first. <laughs> so he hadn't eaten all day. No. <laughs> so I don't know, man. We were backstage and I saw you like I said dinner time. And you said, "Well, it's five o'clock," and then your wife corrected you. It's actually six o'clock. I'm just saying, Mr. Doug. How do, what's the secret to a happy marriage? <laughs> Not being married. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Uh, oh god! <laughs> that is the secret. Wise right. beyond his years. <laughs> My God, this man is wise. Right, Leo. On that note, uh, I, I, I'm just gonna save myself and say, "Happy wife, happy life." You know, this right? Is, yeah. Me too. Yep. Yep. Oh, totally. So, I, um, I, I just gotta. Leo, if you're in danger, blink. <laughs> if she's right there staring at you, blink. Look at <laughs> blink. Blink. If you're in danger, he's like trying so hard. I'm his technical support. Yes. Uh, uh, Doug, I, I thank you so much for for joining us this evening. Uh, so uh, uh, <laughs> Billy says, "Amen." Usually, we're stuck with him. So, <laughs> so, so uh, I'll I'll leave you with uh, uh, two last questions. Uh, and uh, actually, before we do that, I want to remind everybody: definitely check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And uh, you know, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not gonna say which is which. Uh, but more importantly, you know, follow all these awesome people, including Doug. I have uh, all his information in the show notes including your Facebook if you, people want to do commissions uh, or have you do commissions. Um, but where do you like... waiting for it. <laughs> I still something to do first. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, so definitely be, you know... Uh, so, so my question is, is there a character that you have not worked on that you uh, w- would still like to or, uh, or a character that uh, you passed up on that you, you look back you really wanted to work on? Well, a character I was inspired to get into comic books uh, because was uh, Spider-Man. Oh, nice. Uh, the original Ditko Spider-Man was uh, something that uh, reached me uh, in many ways. And uh, I always had in my mind that I would like to do at least one issue of Spider-Man. And the closest I got to it was a, uh, a cover for an issue of what the... With the, the humans, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Spider-Ham. Oh, nice. It was the Spider-Ham of the future. This, Spider Ham 1588, marked down from 2199. <laughs> <laughs> that was my gag. Oh, nice. So uh, uh, that's as close as I got to Spider Man. Yeah, and Spider Spider Ham made a big uh, comeback with a new movie. Yes, yes, I'm very pleased about that. Hell yeah! Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Um, I'm comfortable with uh, emails. Okay. I, that way, I get to like complete sentences. <laughs> I'm also available on, on Facebook. Sounds good. And uh, Rico, where do you like people interacting with you? Man, anywhere. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook under Richard Avila's. You can follow my my podcast page, Rico Podcast, and um, on TikTok, Richard Avila's fifty two. I like talking to people. I had a fan message me the other day. I talked for like an hour, so I'm always available, man. Nice. Rwa. Well, if you go down there, hey, over there, there it is. All the links to everything that is me is at the very bottom of that page. So you can follow me, like I say, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Tenor, Cameo, wherever. It's all down there. And I just want to thank you both for serving uh, 
and uh, you know, thank you. thank you very much. Appreciate well it. Well said. Well said, Benjamin. Leo. Stilltoking.com. You know, we're on every social media platform, but if you go to stilltoking.com, you'll find everything you want to know about us. Um, We want to thank the amazing Doug Rice for joining us tonight. Uh, I'm still dorking out over Star Blazers. (laughs) 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 You know, Um, but uh, to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do every day. We're out of here. Be safe. We'll see you next week. Thank and, you. And Thank you.